Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast I am only now beginning to regret making. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the DreamWorks animated film Madagascar. Directed by Eric Darnell and Tom McGrath, the film premiered in May 2005 and follows Alex the Lion, Marty the Zebra, Melman the Giraffe, and Gloria the Hippo, four animals from the Central Park Zoo. After a series of unfortunate events, the four soon find themselves stranded on the island of Madagascar and try to adjust to their new, wild lives. But without a steady feeding schedule, will Alex's predatory instincts cause him to hurt his friends? The film was met with mixed reviews from critics, but was a box office success, grossing $556 million on a $75 million budget, and the film's success spawned two sequel films, spin-off series, video games, theme park attractions, and live stage shows. And as always, there will be spoilers. So, I watched Madagascar as a young child. I believe I watched it in theaters, and when I watched it, I, being a young kid, I think I must have been like nine at the time, I thought it was a pretty good film. Uh, I didn't really see too many problems with it. I loved the lemurs. I loved Sasha Baron Cohen uh, singing Move It, Move It, uh, and all I remember taking away from that was like, okay, that was... That was a, I like animals. I like wild nature documentaries. This is a pretty good film. I want to personally apologize for my uh, to my mother for making her sit through that movie with me <laughs> because I rewatched that. I rewatched Madagascar about a week ago, and Michael, I don't know why you do this to us, but my God, <laughs> it was really bad i mean you've you've brought a shark tale and i'd like to make a distinction between madagascar and shark tale in that shark tale is kind of like the room for me it's so bad that it ends up being kind of enjoyable at the end madagascar is kind of the mediocre bad that i mean it it isn't a complete train wreck but Honestly, sometimes I wish it was more of a train wreck so I'd get more enjoyment watching it. Um, but yeah, all the jokes were just lost on me. The, the movie is about an hour and 20 minutes. It felt like two and a half hours sitting <laughs> through the entire movie. Um, it was not a pleasant experience. And even the moments that I, I loved as a kid, I was like, oh, these aren't at all as good as I remember them. Especially, I mean, I was waiting for the I like to move it, move it portion of the movie to like bring me back to that childhood sense of wonder. And I don't know, it just didn't. I also barely understood Sasha Baron Cohen for half the movie, so that might have been part of it. But yeah, um, I, I don't like this movie, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, there are some some moments where I will concede. I will talk about that later. But overall, this is basically the kids' movie that uh, makes other adults like 
people who watch kids' movies with their kids hate kids' movies. Uh, that's all I'll say. Hi, gentle listeners. My name is Iris, and today I am out for blood. This movie <laughs> is insipid. It is empty. It is the epitome of all the worst possible things that kids' movies have a reputation for being. It is devoid of any meaningful character interactions. Like, not even just character arcs, just character actions. Uh, it, it, the storyline is tired and fragmented and does not have a through line of any meaningful variety. Uh, the, the jokes are predictable and honestly humorless, uh, beyond, you know, simple, you know, like, physical comedy slapstick shock value. And even that is not executed very well. Uh, and overall, there's just absolutely not a single interesting moment for 80 minutes on screen. Uh, this movie is terrible. Never watch this movie. Save yourselves. Oof. You know, I suppose I didn't dislike this movie as much as, <laughs> as my co-host, because while I did overall dislike the rewatch of this movie, as, as Alex, I did watch this as a kid, I didn't. I I think that there were definitely some moments that were it still made me laugh. Um, the one moment that I keep bringing up is the the. I don't know why this is burned in my memory, but Melman believes that they're in the San Diego Zoo, and he goes and he's like <laughs> complete with fake rock, and he taps his hoof on the rock, and he's like, "Oh, that looks real." <laughs> just it always gets me. But in any case, like like again. I don't know what it is with children's movies draining the the life and the soul out of every IP they have, but before they ruined the penguins, the penguins were actually the highlight of this movie, I would say. Some of the jokes were pretty funny. Some of the jokes definitely didn't land. Alex, I agree with you. The the move it, move it like part, I think, was a lot more vibrant in my head than when it actually was on screen. It was <laughs> honestly kind of awkward and cringy. Um... Is it as bad as Shark Tale? No, I wouldn't say so. And I, 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 I mean, I think Ice Age is about on the same par. I don't think this movie is disgusting or ridiculously, you know, terrible. But yeah, it's it's. I I, I think Alex, you you said it best. Like sometimes when you watch a movie that you watched as a kid and really enjoyed. You want to get transported back into that time where you were just hidden. You were enjoying it the same way. You know, you're brought back into that sense of wonder. And some movies do that very well. Uh, Madagascar just makes you wonder why adults actually tolerated this movie. <laughs> All right. So, I, uh, I, I like Alex uh, as a kid when I watched this. I think I actually watched this. Either when it came out, or definitely, like, the year that it came out. And, like Alex, I also really liked it as a kid. Um, I remember really liking uh, King Julian dancing and singing and stuff like that. Um, and so, when I rewatched it today, in fact, I was going in with expecting a bad movie. I am sorry to say that I enjoyed myself. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I was going in trying to take my nostalgia glasses off as much as I could. And no matter how hard I tried, 
I actually had a good time. Hmm. I don't have a lot of very concrete reasons. <laughs> Wait, why, hold on. But yeah, hang on okay, a second. I, I, concrete, as in like detailed explanations. But what I will say is, I actually think that this, the humor of this movie, perhaps was like, like a formative element of my childhood. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think King Julian is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I don't God know what it is. Soul, I think that Melman and Melman is hilarious. I, I think that, that like I think, I, I, has the I think that the inter- I think the interactions between Alex and Marty is really okay, really fun. Let's, let's not get to okay. I I I I just want to like say it is so rare to come across this powerful of a self own in the wild. <laughs> It is. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm will I'm willing to own it myself. Um, so obviously we'll we'll go into it in further detail later on. But like, again, I actually disagree that like a lot of the jokes are predictable. Some of them I don't. I genuinely think were actually good. I actually disagree that this movie doesn't have a through line. I think it has a very strong through line. I think actually. it has three fragmented through um, lines that you know aren't really at all interwoven i i uh, okay we'll, we'll, get, into we'll get into it later we'll get into it um yeah so i don't know what to say i actually really liked this movie and i know that i'm in the minority of that i was looking at the rotten tomato score and it looks like the audience score is like in the two-thirds range so it's like 60 67 percent and the, and the critic score is like 55%. And I'm like, okay, like, I think I can understand that. Um, one of the reviews said, like, it, like, it's completely ruined for adults, but it's like, it's a fine kids movie. It was like, and I'm like, I think I can accept that as, as judgment on this movie. So, you know, uh, what, I, what I will be saying is mostly praise. But I will acknowledge that there are definitely some problems with this movie. Like it's not like I'm ignoring that stuff. Oh, I'm I'm sure um, I'm sure you so won't yeah. have to mention them too much, Michael. We have two and a half people <laughs> here that will be more than happy to, to uh Yeah to give you that. So uh Yeah, those are my thoughts. I apologize. <laughs> Alright, well this is an interesting thread we have for this episode today. Uh so let's let's dive right into um our favorite moments and characters or if you can't think of one, uh, your least favorite moments and characters. <laughs> and um, ooh, I, ooh, ooh. I will say there was one joke that made me laugh uh, very hard while I was rewatching this movie. Uh, and it was, um, and it has to be, I think this has to be my favorite moment when they're on the beach, like after their first, on their first night in Madagascar. And um, Marty is hanging out with Gloria and Melman on, like, the cool side of the island or whatever that line is. Uh, And they're having a good time. And Alex comes up and knocks on this door that's (laughs) been, like, uh, ostensibly part of his, uh, Marty's, like, sweet shack that he's built out of driftwood. And they have this, like, really poignant conversation where... 
uh, Alex like admits his faults and makes up with Marty. And this is all through this door. Like Marty has the door cracked open and they're talking through it. And I think he has like the little latch. Yeah, he has a little chain latch. He has a lot of latches. (laughs) Um, And finally, like once they reconcile and Alex is invited in, they zoom out and it's just a door frame in the sand. There are no connecting (laughs) walls. He could have walked around the door the entire time. And that reveal, I think, was the funniest joke in this film. Um, And... Yeah, that's my favorite moment, <laughs> just because of how hard, hard I laughed when seeing that. Um, as for favorite characters, um, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't want to default to the Penguins, because I know Penguins are some of our other uh, co-hosts' favorite characters. But I will, I will how about this? I'll say the Monkeys are, are another part of the movie that I, I think I, I really liked. Um, if you have any poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're escape hijinks along with the main uh, cast of characters. I I feel like all the jokes that weren't made by the main four landed pretty well for me. Um, I don't know if the writers were just having fun on the side. But yeah, those were my favorite moments and characters. But what about the rest of y'all? What do you have to say for yourselves? Okay, so I have a short collection uh, on the top of my head of the jokes that I liked that I can think of right now. Number one, um, when Melman is digging his own grave <laughs> and he has his will written in front of him and he's like, and this is my will. I bequeath unto my three friends, my belongings. And then the water comes and erases the bottom third. And he's like, oh, sorry. Alex. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I think, I think that as got we me. were watching it, I said out loud at that moment that that was the one joke that had worked for me the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I think... I liked the cleverness of the help turning into the hell <laughs> sign. I really liked that, actually. I thought that was clever. Um, everything with King Julian, I thought was hilarious. I don't know why. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen just does a fantastic job of doing that character. I, I say character loosely, of course. But just everything. And he's like, ah, the plan worked, see? Um, but my favorite moment is the most tender moment in this movie. Um, there is a tender moment at the same period that you said, Alex, when, you know, Marty comes over and invites Alex to the other side. And Marty's like, it ain't the fun side without you. And I was like, oh, that's that's so cute. I like that. But the most tender moment was near the end. When Marty is going to rescue Alex, Alex has fenced himself in, knowing that he is not... He he doesn't he he is not safe around his friends or actually vice versa his friends are not safe around him, and Alex kind of instinctively lashes out against Marty and he's like, "I don't want to hurt you," and I was like, I actually started tearing up a little bit and again, this I don't I don't know what it is it got me I there was it was good I liked it there there it is. Well, Michael. Whatever you're taking, I'd like some of it because it evidently <laughs> really allowed you to enjoy this movie. Um, I already gave you my favorite joke, uh, and and at, like I think Melman as a character is actually I agree, Michael. I think he is very hilarious. I think you know he is he is shat on for the entirety of the movie, and for that reason, I feel like this there, there is kind of an asterisk because like 
it feels bad to laugh at him really a, a lot of the time <laughs> especially because you can t- at, from the beginning of the movie they establish that he is a sick giraffe and he is constantly suffering pretty much and like he kind of ha- he, he kind of falls into that it's like that punching down stereotype where like you just you have somebody to pick on so you pick on him um but I gotta say, he takes it like a champ, and every time he like he he makes it, anytime he does anything, really, it's it's in an awkward but you know he, he strangely has still has a lot of pride left in him and a lot of confidence, which is <laughs> incredibly awkwardly placed, but it it makes for a good joke uh, every once in a while. So I will give him that. Um, and as I mentioned, I think uh, I think Alex, you, you put it actually pretty well. I think the any joke made aside from the main cast actually fair lands fairly well and you know the penguins obviously and the monkeys obviously um they they benefit the most from that uh so i i would i would give an honorary mention i suppose to the penguins since i assume iris is not going to choose them as her favorite characters in this movie the penguins the penguins the penguins are absolutely my favorite characters in this movie are you kidding absolutely okay that's good news yeah, no, I think I think the penguins as a whole, like the way they're included in this movie, I think is poorly done because it's just like they're kind of having their own side adventure that we get snippets of every once in a while and it like has no relevance to the main story. But in and of itself, it's like Scrat, you know, it's like Scrat. Though. Yeah. Ooh. And if you remember, I hated Scrat, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Scrat. I despise Scrat. There's a pattern developing. I love here. Scrat. There's a pattern developing in that there, Iris. When they're just in Antarctica and they're like. Well, this Cyrus <laughs> likes well-crafted stories, stories that fit in with each other, stories where it doesn't always have to be like every character is in the same place, but if we're cutting away to someone else, it should have some kind of connection to what's going on. We should have... I think you're yeah, expecting I think you're too, much too much of this, this movie. movie I mean, to be, to be fair, though, the Penguins are essentially the catalyst behind Marty wanting to escape captivity. Yeah. Exactly. And they also rescue them at the end. That's not, not that's like one kind of minor plot point that sets in motion the events of the story. So it's not yeah. really like plot relevant, but it's kind I of think relevant. that they could have done all the things that they did with the penguins and had their story actually be any amount connected to what's going on rather than cutting away to like an entire different fucking continent. <laughs> just to yeah just, that makes it funny that's why it's funny though i think then in and of themselves they're fucking hilarious uh and i think there's a reason that they are you know what spawned like the most sort of uh long-lived adaptations of the the series right because they had like a tv show i think and then their own spin-off movie uh they had a lot of fucking content out there um the penguins are my favorite that's the answer you're getting out of me. <laughs> uh, also, I just want to bring up a point that I literally just realized right now. Uh, I'm not the most geographically sound uh, person on this podcast, but if you think about it, they they shipped the animals from yeah. New yeah. New York yeah. to yeah. Africa, and somehow they ended up on the other side of Africa. Yeah. Uh, currents. I mean, currents. How no, that it's not how up. that works. Kenya, Kenya, yes, and Madagascar is. are not close together. Yeah, like, like well, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, well, if the animals are in these boxes floating on the on the water, we already established that Alex was getting hungry by the time he got on the island. He must have survived like a legitimate twenty days on the ocean. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that Kenya and Madagascar? I, listeners, that is where Kenya is. 
it's it's like kind of close okay, to Madagascar. So you, it's on the East really Coast. Awkward. I thought Kenya was on the other side of the continent. Oops, Never mind. no. I like, literally, the closest I country said. to Madagascar is Mozambique, and then north of that is Tanzania, and then just Kenya. So, like, I actually don't think it's that much of a stretch that a ship sinking on its way to Kenya would have a current take the things to Madagascar. It's like it's 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 like you know only a, a few degrees so then, of angle that would actually get into Madagascar. We're also not talking about the fact that they again as Alex mentioned they got tranquilized in new york city and didn't wake up from being like th- crammed in a wooden box until they were all the way out off the coast of madagascar like what must have been several no no, no. they weren't off the coast though right they, they got straight in the middle of the ocean and then they floated Th- that madagascar. would take so long <laughs> that's what i'm saying uh, whatever use some imagination maybe there were the boxes for a few days maybe that's why alex is so freaking hungry <laughs> even though he hasn't eaten in like two or three days and a lion can go eating not eating for like I weeks could... at a time so by, that actually explains more of why alex is actually really hungry and I tries to I eat marty it actually makes perfect I sense three things today i mean here's the thing they would have okay throwing everything else out of the side of the window this is not a relevant yeah, this conversation is not the biggest complaint but... i have about the movie <laughs> They would have. They would have uh, died of thirst. I'll just say that. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> stepping back to uh, the main conversation. Sorry for that uh, quick tangent, there, folks. But um, what did you all think about the music of this movie? Because I think, like many uh, films after the Shrek era. Uh, a lot of animated movies seem to have like some obligation to add hit pop songs into their uh, into their soundtrack. Um, least of all, the "Move It, Move It" song that Sasha Baron Cohen started singing. Um, and for me personally, I I it might have just been because we did Shrek, we did Ice Age before that. It just seemed like another shrek copy another attempt at doing at bringing like this these lively songs that didn't really fit too much into certain aspects of the scenes that were happening right now uh save for the move it move it song uh but yeah i just thought the two were kind of incongruous in uh how they were uh, portrayed but what about the rest of y'all what did you think about the music in this movie and did it fit well so you talk about incongruity, Alex. Oh I my think God, that, fight... that was the point. Uh... That was the point. They're going, they're expecting humans. What do they see? Dancing lemurs. <laughs> what a twist. Are you being genuine? Are you being, is this an earnest? That sounded pretty earnest. Some, somewhat. Oh. I actually I actually do think that the, the Move It, Move It has its purpose. It What it does is it produces more of a difference between the gang and the denizens of these Ma- of, Ma- of Madagascar. You see the difference they have. And you see that even though the gang has arrived and they're like, oh, we're in San Diego. They come and they're like, oh my God, where are all these dancing lemurs up to? And so I actually think that the Move It, Move It, what it does is it actually characterizes the lemurs better than they could have by like actually doing stuff with them that's the hot take hmm. i was going to disagree with you but then you said the last sentence and honestly that kind of makes sense somewhat 
<laughs> Here was my big problem with the soundtrack of this movie. It felt like, irrespective of, you know, using covers of pop songs, right, which we can get to in a second, this movie had very little scoring otherwise. Uh very yeah. little scoring otherwise. And that was honestly really kind of jarring to me because there was all this just like stuff happening and just nothing going on in 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 the soundtrack to support it, right? You're having these animals like running around uh, New York City and running around the island and all just these moments of like relative quiet. And I'm like, what? Why can we not have music here? Why can't we have something just to like pull me away from how like forced and fake this dialogue feels <laughs> you know why can't we have like anything to like in communicate some emotion in this scene to us so i would say that i don't know if you noticed this iris but there is a motif a musical oh motif for the wild did you notice that i'll be honest that i didn't they it happens it like when Marty is sort of like pawning, pining for the wilds. We hear that theme um, when they first arrive. We hear the theme. And then during the second day where they're there, when the lemurs introduce them to Madagascar, we hear the theme in its grandest uh, uh, com like composition. When, they're, when they begin to graze and they begin to become wild animals. We hear it. And I actually, for me, it was actually moving to recognize that, that they did that. Like I, when that happened, I was like, "Oh, it's oh, it actually kind of worked." I I like that. Um, also, the one last other uh, song that I can think of that was in the score is, um, "What a Wonderful World" by mm -hmm. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. Thank you. Um, I actually think so. I will admit that I liked that song. Like I like when I was a kid, I already knew what that song was mainly because of the Summer of the Rainbow cover by that Hawaiian guy that I can't remember his name. Um, and so I remember really liking that song. And I actually think that that song, like, it it, it actually, it was, it, it, it was somehow able to connect me to Alex's struggle. Because that's what he, that's, he's like leaving and he's like bouncing on the cactuses. He did the whole flopping on the flower thing. I actually thought that was really fun. <laughs> and... When they eventually go and he's in the Fusa territory and like you can see a sort of a kind of melancholy on his face, but the music really enhances his, uh, I guess, like self depression in that moment. I really like that about the score. Uh, okay. I. <laughs> yes, Cyrus. I just need. Yeah, there's more words I have to say, but I'll let you go after I say this one quick thing. A leitmotif does not a cohesive emotional communication through soundtracking make. Tell that to Wagner. <laughs> I fucking would if he were here. Okay? A single leitmotif is I not... It. Which also, by the way, I mean, I had pulled up the soundtrack just a second ago. I don't actually know if that is an original motif. I'm pretty sure they're just playing uh, like a, a another pre-existing song or a cover of such at two different times. I mean, Which, that sure, works, it works. Uh, I think it's important to note that, you know, it's another, like, there were just, there were so many times where it's like, I want something original from you, 
right? I'm okay. Okay, fine. Marcus, you're giving me the face. I know I said you could <laughs> go. Please. All I wanted to say is that after Iris, after the first thing that you said about how this movie doesn't really have a, a, a real score, I was about to say, well, you know, Hans Zimmer is actually the person who scored this movie, believe it or not. So I figured he was probably just cluing it in, right? He's like, all right, you know, some, some, some discount Disney shit. Fuck it. I'll get some money. <laughs> but then Michael mo- no- mentioned the thing about the motif and suddenly I'm feeling, well, that's a pretty Hans Zimmer thing to do, right? Maybe Hans Zimmer didn't clue it in on this movie. Maybe he actually gave a shit about it. And then you mentioned the thing about What a Wonderful World, which I gotta say, Michael, you keep you keep picking these things that I actually enjoyed about this movie and highlighting them because, <laughs> again, I have to agree with you. I actually liked the placement of that song in that context. Just that song. I think every other pop song in this movie is downright dog shit and really takes away from my experience of the movie. Okay, hold on. What are the other pop songs okay, in this movie? Okay, uh, so they play Earth, Wind, and Fire at the very beginning, a song called Boogie Wonderland. Uh, they mm-hmm. they play oh, yeah. Staying Alive when Marty's uh, looking for Grand Central Station. Uh, the Candyman. <laughs> and and I, that one I remember being particularly annoyed by. <laughs> That's oh, during, I during love the that part. Sequence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's, uh, uh, they, they play the Hawaii Five-O theme uh, very briefly. What the uh, surfing. Of course, the, you know, I like to move it, move it. Um, and then, you know, What a Wonderful World, which... I don't know. Maybe it's because I feel like after Shrek, everyone fucking did that thing. You know, take a happy song and make it sad when everyone's like, you know, they had their big argument and everyone's walking away kind of sad and angry and hurt and upset. And, you know, the palettes are all muted and desaturated. And we're going to take this happy song and make it sad. Show how sad our characters are because they have real deep emotions and they're sad about them. Uh... Yeah, it I mean, works. it's not necessarily a bad thing to have not done it first, if it at least... Is no, I'm not saying it's bad nicely. because... I'm not saying it's bad because uh, they didn't do it first. I'm saying it is... It's it's facile. It's, it's sort of the lowest possible effort entry point into that moment, you know? There's, they, like, it, it feels like they really... It feels like the laziest possible way to, to, to bring about the emotion of that scene well uh (laughs) i don't i i I do have to agree with marcus that michael you do keep bringing up these moments that i haven't thought i hate it here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i I am the person it's not enough enough to make me consider madagascar worth watching again but i mean it is it is good to note the the pros versus the cons of this movie. So thank you, Michael. Uh, and I do want to highlight one more con. I'm uh, sorry, one more pro that I liked was especially the 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 animation style um, in relation to uh, Alex the lion, in particular how his arc progressed over the movie. Uh, I really liked the sort of like subtle visual cues we could see as he descended into predatory madness. Uh, Because at the beginning, when he's at his peak, quote unquote, in his uh, honestly quite terrible looking enclosure uh, in the middle of New York City, he has like this perfect guitar pick shaped uh, (laughs) mane. 
that's like perfectly yeah. square and angled. And then as the movie goes on, that mane like starts to get scraggly and roughed up as he descends further and further into madness. And at the very end, like you start to see, well, not the whites of his eyes, but like the blues of his eyes. And it was, yeah, they yeah, dilate. it was really interesting. Or I guess they inversely dilate. Yeah, because I mean, at the beginning, they're just like pure black, uh, which honestly, in any other setting, like would be pretty creepy if those eyes were just pure black. But I guess since he's a lion, it kind of gives it a pass. But that switch to having, like, blue and this black... Blue eyes and this black iris in the middle was, I mean, honestly, pretty unnerving. It made him look more human, and that just cranked up the Uncanny Valley meter for me. So, yeah, that was, like, really well done, in my opinion. But yeah, what did you guys think about that moment or any other animation moments you noticed throughout the film? Yeah, like I, I completely agree with you. I think that what they were able to do visually um, was was really clever and really in like very, uh, maybe not necessarily detailed, but like very uh, poignant, I'll say. Like I, like, I like your example of how his mane kind of turns from this like very sharp, to like this very scraggly stuff. His eyes are like the biggest indicator of um, of him becoming uh, animalistic or feral, I guess. Um, and I think that part of the reason that that works so well is is from my favorite moment of this movie, where he's looking at Marty. He's like, "I don't want to hurt you," and you can see in that moment, like you are looking at his eyes when you are his face, but also his eyes, and you can see that like when he's like rushing back and then rushing uh rushing at marty and stuff like that you could see that his eyes like actually change in the moment and i thought that was really clever one thing i wanted to note and this is not an animation choice but i wanted to slip this in here because i i thought it was related to to alex's arc in general and by god okay are you ready oh boy at the beginning of the movie when alex is being presented at the new york zoo and he's like alex the lion, ah, oh. and then he comes out and he does his like moves, and then he does his roar, and he's like roar and stuff like that, and then that changes, right? That's the moment that everything changes is when he's doing his moves to the lemurs, and then an actual roar comes out, and I was like, oh, that's so cool that like they didn't make him do a roar like the first time. And the second time, they didn't make him do a human roar the first time and the second time. They made a choice to make that distinction of him becoming his animalistic self. But then, to tie it all in a knot, that real roar that he has produced is what ultimately saves the gang at the end. He uses his real roar against the Fusa. And so in and of itself, it is him coming to terms with his inner self, but accepting it and not letting it take himself over and rather use it and be like a, a nor like a normal quote unquote human being. <laughs> like he has learned to accept what's inside him, but learned to deal with it and adapt. And I think that was really clever. And you know what, Michael, here's the thing. I don't disagree with what any of you just any of what you just said. But what I think you're describing is not the story as it was told, but the implied story as, you know, we can sort of piece together in retrospect. 
right? I think that these are ideas that are were absolutely present, but not fleshed out nearly to the extent that you're describing them in, you know? Are you saying that implication is not enough for you? <laughs> or for in general? I'm saying that just because the idea is there doesn't mean the execution is su- is is sufficient. I'm saying that it's not enough. But it's metaphorical. I'm s- it's no, metaphorical. I'm saying it's not enough to have the idea. I'm saying you also need to tell that in the story. And I don't think that those ideas, I mean, it, I, I, I totally buy that that's like the kind of story that perhaps was intended to be told at some point. But I think it gets lost among uh, the, 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 the tired, in my opinion, humor. I think it gets lost among sort of distracted storytelling. And I think it gets lost for just plain old lack of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Pizzazz. Focus? Not, focus is close. But I think, like, it just feels to me like all those great, interesting, like, delicious narrative, you know, conclusions and, 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 and moments and, and overtures that you're talking about, it feels like they didn't follow through all the way on them. I can see the setup. I can see sort of the, the, the premise like leading us towards this place but like in the actual experience of watching the movie none of those things feel communicated to me very strongly in any way whatsoever uh yeah i mean god i i don't know where i'm gonna stand at the end of this conversation on how i like madagascar anymore this has been a wild ride but i mean to give to give the uh, the filmmakers a little bit of sympathy with other movies that like typically animated movies have uh, access to all these fantastical um, they're, they're geared for more fantastical stories. Take another uh, film by DreamWorks, for example, Kung Fu Panda. We have uh, Kung Fu that like shatters rocks flying, monks, uh, tai chi, whatever, what have you. And that's like a very fascinating story that can be told through animation. However, in this story, we have uh, simple zoo animals that are constrained theoretically by the same earth laws that we in the real world are constrained by. And so there's not a lot of things that they really could have done to really make use of the medium in my opinion i mean i think i do think that the story that you highlighted michael is is underneath the underneath the um the jokes and the laughs and stuff but it is it is kind of overshadowed by a lot of the pandering kid jokes that's there so i don't really know what the the happy medium would be if there's any, I guess, I guess it would be another ice age type <laughs> type story um, to have more fantastical elements to it. But yeah, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think it's really interesting that they kind of back themselves into a metaphorical corner by focusing on real animals and not capitalizing on, well, the finer points of the medium 
what I'll say about it is that there, there, there's, it's very clearly like some movies choose the story over the jokes, and some movies choose the jokes over the stories, and this movie chose the jokes. I, <laughs> they, like, they, I, I see what you're trying to say, Michael, but they, there's no way, there's no way that you could possibly justify like them trying to, like make this movie have its serious moments land when they feel like they're cheapened by jokes every five seconds. And I think that, you know, there, there's, again, it's a kid's movie. Like, the kids will like that more. And some movies, when you watch them as an adult, some, some movies have that balance where you can actually end up having an enjoyable time as an adult as well. Um, but, like, this movie just evidently did not want to do that. And, like, I can't, I can't blame them for it, but I just, that, that, on your point about that, I have to disagree. I mean, here's, here's the comparison I want to draw, right, to, to The Emperor's New Groove, right? Another animated kids movie, another movie chock full of, like, jokes and, and, like, moments that are humor, like, aimed at kids, right? The difference, I think, is how well they are integrated into the actual like content of what is happening, the actual narrative versus being sort of like pushed together and, you know, like, like, like uh, glued on uh, the classic, you know, scene, I'm going to point to just by way of example, the classic scene, you know, Kronk pull the lever, wrong lever, right? The, the, the joke itself adds essentially nothing to like the narrative at that moment, right? Because what's happening is, uh, you know, they're going to the secret lab to get the poison. It's sort of this anticipation to what is the villainous plot going to be? Uh, you know, the storyline could still be the same in the absence of that joke, but what, you know, what makes it work with the narrative rather than against it is that it capitalizes on this sort of tension of, oh, it's going to be the big evil thing, this big scary reveal. Oh, no, bait and switch, we're having a, you know, like, building up to the lever, and it was just actually, you know, the trap door. You know, she got dropped in the water, we weren't expecting it, those crocodiles, ha ha ha. Versus, you know, and I should have probably had a joke uh, from Madagascar lined up to compare it with, uh, but a lot of the, the sort of humorous moments, and I think this is why, for example, right, like, some of the jokes like the, the water washing away the will, and the, the, you know, the emotional scene of with the door. That's why those jokes work. Because, you know, uh, it, it, it works with what's happening in the narrative at the moment. The whole thing with the door and there's being no walls. It's like, there's this reveal of, you know, it's this big thing. Is he going to let him in? Is he going to not let him in? And then we have this big, oh, he's going to let him in. Which is revealed to us at the same moment that we find that it doesn't actually matter if he opened the door for him or not. That works. The jokes of, you know... Sasha Baron Cohen is going to start talking in a funny accent. Uh, you know, they're going to start yelling back and forth at each other. A lot of that didn't work. The things about, you know, the, the, like the New York centric humor that I actually had meant to bring up earlier, the lot of like essentially in jokes for New Yorkers about, you know, welcome the New York giants. Uh, like, <laughs> but the things about like, you know, Oh, I want to go, you know, you should go to this way. No, no, no. We need to take this other street. Yeah. Right or, or like or... if you've gone past the Chrysler Building, you've gone too far or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah. Right, like that had it. That's so funny. 
I disagree. <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad you enjoy them, Michael. Well, That's it makes sense because Michael's mad. Michael's the only one of us who has lived in New York for an extended period of time, so it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> I lived for like a year. I was That's five a year though. Um, <laughs> like, I I I agree with you to a certain extent that like the the jokes so can sometimes. I mean, maybe not more than more than sometimes feel like they are in there for the joke. And they don't feel like that they are inherently or maybe even necessarily attached to even what's going on. But I think that there are enough times where it does happen that I forgive it. For example, there is a moment when they're about to get captured uh, when they got into Grand Central Station. And, you know, Melman's head is inside the thing in Grand Central Station. And he comes up and he's like, guys, we're running out of time. That was another one that got me so hard. And I yes, you're right. It doesn't like he, he doesn't need to say that because you know they're coming anyway. But it, it's just funny because his his head is in the clock. It's just a funny joke. And so I agree that like you're right that the, they don't feel like the jokes are necessary. But because I was able to enjoy them so much, I like them. That was in there. I think that's honestly part of the main difference why I like this so much is because the jokes actually worked on me. And because the jokes worked on me, the underneath stuff also worked on me. So everything somehow was able to work on me because the stupid jokes actually worked. I think that for me is what I'm seeing or hearing right now is like, I think that's the main difference that we're having is that most, most of all the jokes actually worked on me in this movie. (laughs) And so that's why I enjoyed it so much. Uh, All right. Well, let's, Let's do one quick check-in to see how we're all feeling if we've uh, shifted our our uh, opinions. I'll, I'll start first. Um, I'm still probably never going to watch Madagascar again, but because uh, I don't want to sit through an hour and ten minutes of that movie. But I can, thanks to you, Michael, I think I can appreciate it a lot more than I than I used to. It's maybe not as far down the bad movie list uh, or the bad movie spectrum as I originally pinged it as. So thank you for that. Uh, uh, but yeah, what about the rest of y'all? Has your opinion changed about this movie? I mean, I did, I did come into this saying that I didn't necessarily think this movie was that bad. And I thought it had some good jokes. I'm, I'm at uh, essentially the same level, but I agree with Alex. I will never watch this movie again. I, I had a hard time watching this movie even this week, I had to, like, skip certain parts just because it was, it felt like it was really just, it was losing me, essentially. I had to, like, get to the next beat or something to stay engaged. Um, but, Michael, you continue to bring up good points. And uh, I I only wish I could have enjoyed this as much as you did, because then I would have actually felt like this was a worthwhile endeavor. So, I... To a certain extent, I'm also with you. Like, I wouldn't seek myself out to watch this again. But if some of my kid cousins are like, let's watch a movie, I'd be like, yeah, we could watch Madagascar. I'd be down I for ab- that. I, I think that's where I'm at. Right now. I would be like, nah, let's put on Wally or some shit. <laughs> I mean, Michael, I think, I think that's kind of it, right? I think this movie has plenty to offer, you know, a toddler or an elementary schooler or a young kid. I think this movie, I remain convinced that this movie has absolutely nothing to offer me. That's fair. That's totally fair. All right. Well, that'll do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I had to find a safari-themed animated video 
for uh, today based on uh, Madagascar. So the video you can watch on YouTube is called Roland Safari uh, hyphen What If Animals Were Round? And that is by Roland oh, I've, Wild. I've seen that video. It's you actually really funny. You've probably <laughs> seen it before. Uh, it's made the rounds on the internet, but it is hilarious and very thematic. The rounds? Sorry? Uh, 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 the rounds? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, once again, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye.